mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Wrong Side of the Gate. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Here now, Pastor Moody. All right. Sopranos, is that where you guys are? I am the SII. Am I singing that right? I think that's the Is that where you guys are? I am the SII. Let's try No, that's good. All right. You are my champion in parts. Here we go. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won And I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence I'm seated In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who has conquered it all You are my champion This is the one where we come in. Let's do a chorus right here. Still doing a seven there. We'll find one to replace this, but let's fix that before we go. You are my champion. I want to hold that note right there in parts. Here we go. You are my champion. All right, we need to go on down further on notes. You are my champion. Yes, let's try that. Here we go. Parts. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. 
begin on stand. Go further down on stand. Let's start back at You Are My Champion. Mm -hmm. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Perfect. Every battle you Don't go all the way down. It makes that uh, uh, barbershop note. Yeah. One last time, the chorus. We'll move on. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won. I am who you say. Same as champion, all the way down. I am who you say. Here we go. And I am who you say I am. Close. Not going down quite far enough. One more time. I am three and sing. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I'm seated. In the heavenly place undefeated By the one who has conquered it all All right. We'll push that one to next week. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me where it is. It's uh, Lee going into I Am Seated. Okay.
For the now let's do I want to know what it feels like the glory of the Lord and I'll sing for the because there's oh. no way all ten of us can get that together I feel like it's a little fast too let's do um, second half of the, of the chorus I want to know what it feels like for the glory of the Lord here we go and I want to know what it feels like the glory of the Lord to fall on me, that same thing. I want to know what it feels like, the glory of the Lord to fall. Same thing one more time. I want to know what it feels like, the glory of the Lord to fall. On me, take me there. All right, good.
you were near. Do, do, do. I was playing. Still doing Never Lost? Uh, no, that one's tagging with Chingy. Okay. It's something else here, too. And soon and very soon, we move it to B flat. Oh, B flat?
Will somebody shout praise the Lord? Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Let's all stand together in his presence. So good to see you out in this cold, cold morning. We're so glad you're here. I mean, I know there's fire on the inside. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you would, before we get started in worship, just turn around to your neighbor, somebody across the room, maybe even that you haven't spoken to yet. Just give them a smile and a wave. Tell me you're glad to see him in God's house this morning. Let's sing it. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Said soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Soon and very, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Oh, I said soon and very we are going to see the King. Oh, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. There'll be no more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. There'll be no more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. And there'll be no more crying there. We are going to see the King. There'll be no more crying there. We are going to see the King. There'll be no more crying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see soon and very soon, soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. I said soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Oh, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah, 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 we're going to see the King. there give him a clap of praise hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus oh we love you jesus we're just coming this place as we praise you this morning in jesus name Before our lives to 
raise our voice along heaven and earth anybody come to lift him up this morning faithful hand your mercy without end a king who bled and died a God who sacrificed and being throned upon the praises of Great. 
songs like that we walk in the house of God and we experience the presence of the Lord that sometimes if we're not careful we can become so accustomed to the things that the world knows nothing about the presence of God the touch of heaven healings and miracles how many remembers when you got saved how wonderful glorious that was and uh, I don't know why I thought about this but many many years ago I was in Lexington in a hospital and I had been to visit a, a dear brother and I was coming back down the hall and I saw an older man sitting in the hospital room sitting up on the side of the bed with his head hung down and I felt like the Lord spoke to me just to go in and offer prayer for him and maybe try to encourage him and I walked in Nobody else with him, not a flower in the room. Nobody had apparently, you know, paid any attention to the fact that the old fellow was there. And I walked in and just introduced myself, told him who I was, and that I was a minister. And he told me, you know, what was going on with him, and it was pretty serious. And uh, I asked him a question. I said, sir, I need to ask you a question. It might seem presumptuous of me to be so forward. But I said, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? And I'll never forget his response there. He looked at me and he said, I was baptized when I was 11 years old and joined the church when I was 12. He kept talking. I said, well, that's, that's good to hear. But I said, my question is, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? And he looked at me, Adam, and he said, I've told you I've been a part of the church all of my life. And he said, I'm a, a deacon in our church. And he said, that's good enough. That's always been good enough. He said, for my family, for my parents, for the church. I just couldn't let it go at the point of making him angry. I said, but have you been born again? Have you been saved? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Tommy looked at me and said, I don't know. And that's sad. And I offered him God's plan of salvation and a place where he could surrender his heart to Christ. And I was thinking when Nick sings that, I wonder how many people go to church but don't really know what it feels like. 
for the glory of the Lord to come down and touch their life and save them. I'm not just talking about some shout fest. I'm talking about becoming a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. God changes your life. Oh, this thing's so real. Can you say amen? And what a joy it is to know the presence of God. I welcome you this morning to the service, and we thank you for being here with us. Uh, normally somebody would be up right now talking about the offering, but we don't do that anymore. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I never thought I'd ever say that. We don't take up offerings, but we do have receptacles here and in the foyer that you can give your tithe and offering. You can also give uh, by texting to 84321. That number is 84321. You can give online at com, And uh, we just uh, want you to be faithful to God and continue to support the church and the work that we're doing, the outreaches that we're still continuing to do. Amen. And um, I want to say this. I got a couple of messages this morning. Uh, one, uh, Adam's mom, Linda, messaged us and said that Brother Joe Hutchins' brother, uh, lost their 22-year-old son yesterday to cancer. What a tragic thing. Let's, let's lift them up in prayer and pray for them. Uh, also, my wife's sister, Linda, a member of the church here, attended church here for many, many years. She's been sick for, I don't know, five, six years, not, not been able to go anywhere. But she's in hospice now uh, in an end-of-life situation, apparently, and we've been kind of keeping vigil there and trying to help. She has one daughter left. She has a son that died some years ago. Anthony, who was a part of our church as well, died with cancer. And so Jamie's trying her best to take care of her mom. And the other night, they, they, the hospital allowed all the siblings, there's 12 children, and allowed all of the siblings to come into the hospital room with uh, Linda because they thought she was going to die within a couple of hours. That's how bad it's been. But she's now uh, uh, in hospice, so keep her... And the family in prayer, pray for Sister Moody. She's having a real hard time with this. Uh, Linda was exactly 10 years older than Gail. And Gail kind of, when Linda married and Gail was a, you know, a young girl, she spent a lot of time with her and, you know, they're just really close. And don't tell, my, well, my in-laws this, but when before they allowed Gail and I to date, Linda used to sneak Gail out to meet me. And... <laughs> So she's pretty special to me, too. But Sister Moody's having a hard time with this, so just lift her up in prayer. She she probably won't say anything about it, but she's, she's shed a lot of tears already. So just pray for her. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. And uh, as a young Christian, I always got excited when the preacher said, go to the book of Acts, because I knew there was something about to happen. So stand with me. We're going to Acts chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to preach this morning for a little while on the thought of the wrong side of the gate. The wrong side of the gate. Many of you probably know that Acts chapter 3 relates a story that I'm about to read to you about a man who laid outside the gate over 40 years old, most of his adult life. He was a cripple. He was on the wrong side of the gate. Amen. Let's look at Acts chapter 3. We'll start in verse number 1. The Bible said, now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer. This would have been 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Jewish day started at 6 o'clock was the first hour. So the ninth hour would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon being the ninth hour. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, in other words, from the day he was born, was crippled, born crippled, could never walk, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked alms or asked for money. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with it with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. I don't have enough money to take care of your problem today. Amen. But what I have. I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Woo, hallelujah, amen. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, amen. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them. Come on, somebody. He left the wrong side of the gate and walked through and went with them into the temple Amen, walking and leaping and praising God. Glory to God. And all the people saw him. He didn't hold back. He wasn't ashamed. Everybody saw him walking and praising God. Somebody say, praise God. Hallelujah. And they knew that it was he which sat, at the, sat for alms or begged at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. Preach in a few minutes this morning on the thought the wrong side of the gate. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, for what I feel right now. I remember my life on the wrong side of the gate. I remember the day that I walked in through the door, through Jesus Christ, into the house of God, into the body of Christ, into the, into the worship of, of heaven's God, and how everything changed. Let your perfect will be done. Minister to us and through us, and we'll give you praise. And everybody said, amen, amen. What a story. Here's a man lying at a gate that is correctly called beautiful. When you read the history and study, this gate was so beautiful and, and fashioned with, with metal reflective that you could, when the sun hit it, that you could see it for miles. It was an attraction to the coming worshiper, to come to the gate called beautiful, to be able to enter in. And uh, we know the story, Peter and John, and a lame man and a miracle. Amen. It's, it's so powerful, I think, today as the first time that I heard it. When I was this week studying, it just seemed God began to speak to me again from this very familiar story. And I was went there, I was really actually still over in Deuteronomy, trying to get through that last book of Moses. And I was reading where God spoke to the people, to the children of Israel. And uh, he said, I want you to know this. He said, uh, God's not taking you into that land because you're righteous. He'd been talking about that promised land, that experience with God. He said, God's not taking you in there because you're more, more holy than anybody. Moses said, in fact, said, you're the most stiff-necked, hard-headed bunch I've ever dealt with in my life. But the reason, it, it got me, Daniel, when I read this again. The reason God said he was taking them into that land was because of those heathens in that land. 
They were people that had defiled the land. They had, it was a land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it was to be a land of blessing and covenant for generations for, for, forever. But yet it was defiled. It was destroyed because they had brought in pagan gods, and they had set up idols in the land. And God had said, you'll have no gods before me, not in that place, not in that country. This is the place where my favor is going to be, where my glory is going to be demonstrated. And uh, so I was thinking about how that when Israel finally went in, God told them, it seems cruel almost, but God said, you need to kill everybody. You need to kill moms and dads and children too. I had a person question me about that one time. They said, it seems like God was so harsh but here's what you need to understand. God, in giving that commandment, said if you set up idols in that land, it'll bring curses to the fourth generation. And so God was saying the reason why you have to annihilate everybody is because when people of God are brought in, I don't want any curses in the land. Are you hearing me? I want to tell you, we don't have an understanding today, I don't think, of what real worship of God does for a person. It brings you from bondage and it brings you from sin and from destruction. Can I say it? it? It delivers you from death. Hallelujah. When you think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, oh death, where's thy sting? Oh grave, where's your victory? He said, the sting of death is sin. That's what makes death so horrible. That's why Christians can die with peace because sin has been conquered. But the strength of the sin of sin is the law. But then he said, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God began to talk to me about how beautiful it is, <clears throat> excuse me, to walk into the presence of God and come into a relationship with Him. No wonder that the Lord gave us this example of this lame man. This impotent man, this man who couldn't walk with God. It's not just a picture that he's an invalid that needs a miracle, but it's a picture that he can't even go in to worship. Something is restraining him. He's right at the beautiful gate. Are you hearing me? I wonder how many people go to church, but they've never walked through the gate. I wonder how many people had godly parents, but they've never entered the beautiful gate. wonder how many people have seen the miracles, heard, amen, the prophecy, seen the gifts in operation but they've never entered in themselves into that experience that brings joy that changes life do you hear me he's laying on the wrong side of the gate he's crippled but when Peter looks at him and says such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus all of a sudden that man on the wrong side of the gate is brought to the entrance of the very door himself the door to heaven his name is Jesus and he takes him by the hand and he jumps up from there, praise God, and he begins running and begins leaping. And all of a sudden, he's able to enter into that temple that represents more than just a place of worship. It represents the presence of God. It's where the glory was. It's where the law and the commandments and the prophecy all came together. For the Jewish person to get inside the gate meant that you confirmed your relationship 
relationship. You established, amen, uh, your inheritance. Who you are, amen, means everything when you come in to the presence of God. And so when I started reading this account, it occurred to me, this man's on the wrong side of the the gate. And the scripture relates some things about him that I think apply to us today. Uh, I want to tell you, I believe there's a lot of saved people, can I say this, who've been born again, but still they come to service after service, and they never step through the beautiful gate. That gate is, amen, you can get there by worship. Somebody help me preach this morning. You can get there by prayer. You can get there by faithfulness. You can get there by giving, but most of all, you get there by just saying the name of Jesus and worshiping Him, amen and coming in to the presence of God. Give him praise if you would. I want to notice some things about this man. First of all, he was lame from birth. He did not know what it was to experience God. Every one of us, the Bible said, are born in sin. Every one of us are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. We inherit sin from our parents. I want to tell you something. You might say, well, my mom and daddy was godly people. God don't have no grandchildren. You catch on to this. Amen. They were sinners too. and They had to be saved or they're not right with God. They had to enter into the gate. They had to come to the door. So this man was lame from birth. He laid at the gate every day. I want to tell you until you're saved, amen, just because you go to church, it don't make you right with God. You can sleep in the garage tonight. That don't make you a car. Come on, somebody. You've got to be born again. You've got to be changed. There has to be a difference made in your life. You have to have an experience with God. Hallelujah. I felt like the Lord told me. He said, I want you to tell somebody today. They may be in this service. They may be in the next one. But there's some people that's on the wrong side of the gate. They've not got to the place, Brother Jim, where God has transformed their lives like he transformed the life of this man. According to the next chapter, he was over 40 years old. If you keep reading, you reveal, uh, chapter 4 and verse 4 reveal what happens, reveals what happened as a result of the miracle. When this man's life was changed, thousands were saved because God made a difference in his life. Do you hear me? Amen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 that 5,000 men, look at this, how many of them which heard the word believed and the number of the men was about 5,000. This was the direct result of the message that that Peter preached after this man was healed. And and some commentaries said 5,000 men could easily translate uh, to the extended family and the servants and all have been over 20,000 people. <laughs> God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want to tell you, there's a beautiful gate at the church. Amen. I may not get to preach at all this morning. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost so good right now. I think God wants us to know that the church is more than a couple of songs and a sermon and sitting there just kind of, you know, waiting to get it over so I can go out and grab a brunch at the first watch or something. Church is coming in to the beautiful gate of God's glory 
and God's presence and experiencing something that changes not just your life but the lives of those that you are you hearing me come in contact with oh God give us a meeting that will result in thousands being saved because of what you did at one service amen give him praise if you would Look, if you would, for a moment. What an incredible story. But let's look at the elements, can I say that, that, that caused the results. When, when Peter began to preach, as we read on through this chapter, amen, and he begins to tell them when they question what happened, amen, Amen. The scripture said they saw him praising God and everybody knew, amen, the lame man which was healed, uh, held Peter, it says in verse 11, and John and the people ran into the porch, uh, which is called Solomon's porch, and they were greatly wondering. And they, Peter begins to preach to them. He saw it and said, why do you marvel or look at us as though our, by our own power or holiness, amen, that we made this man to walk. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his son, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he wanted to let him go. And he said, you denied the holy one and the just one and desired a murderer to be granted you. And verse 15 said, you killed the prince of life. Now I want you to watch this. After this miracle happens, after this man enters into the glorious presence of God, I want to tell you, whenever God moves, hear me, there's going to be powerful things that happen. And not the least of which is going to be conviction of sin. Well, you can't come into the presence of holy God and expect sin to stay hidden or to stay covered up. Don't let nobody get nervous. I'm not going to start hobby horsing and preaching on sin. I want to tell you what's, what's happened to the world today. What's going on in America today is a result of what I'm about to tell you about. First of all, this, the, when he began to preach to them and, t- and they saw what was happening, they were confronted by a miracle. There's no doubt. The Bible said they couldn't deny it. Over in chapter uh, 4, it says they, they knew the man. Everybody knew. He was over 40 years old. He had laid at that gate ever since he was big enough to be laid there. Day after day, everybody walked by him. Probably everybody that went to that temple, many of them, probably thought, you know, better take a few coins, you know, to, to drop in the cup of that crippled beggar that's laying at the gate. I've said this before in years past. Jesus entered into that gate, went into that temple. And Jesus himself, no doubt, walked right by this man. Everywhere he went, he healed people. But he didn't heal him. Are you hearing me? And uh, God left him one miracle for this day for Peter and John to be able amen to look at this man and say such as I have Woo, I want to tell you but the scripture said that that uh, every good and perfect gift comes from God I used to say basic theology teaches us that good things come from God and bad things come from the devil it's not a day
day to question God. It's not a day to doubt God. It's not a day to say, why doesn't God stop this pandemic? Why doesn't God settle the unrest? Because God's wanting you to see more, amen, than a physical answer, amen, a medical answer. God's wanting you to see more. Come on, somebody help me preach, amen, than a political answer to the upheaval in our nation. But God's wanting us to see that there's a place called beautiful. There's a man called Jesus. There's a door, thank God, that you can come to that miracles can happen because miracles are supernatural events that can only be defined by the power of the living God. Give him praise if you would. Oh, hallelujah. If y'all don't shout, I'm gonna preach my head off. Oh, glory. I've come to tell you there's something about being on the wrong side of the gate that needs to be addressed today. Amen. The scripture said, you know, miracles get people's attention. John chapter three and verse number one, the Bible said there was a man of the Jews named, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, amen, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Watch this. We know that you're real. We know you're the real deal. Why? Because no man can do these miracles that you're doing except God is with him. Can you say miracles get people's attention when somebody say amen. Dake said about this, finest Dake said, evidently the rulers had come to this conclusion, but the majority of them were too rebellious to be honest about it. He, however, recognized the secret of true power. Amen. In Acts chapter 10 later, Amen. Peter would say how God, in verse number 38, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing. Amen. All that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I want to shout to the drug addict. I want to shout to the alcoholic. I want to shout to the person that's, that's infirm in their body and lame, amen, in their walk who don't have the capability of coming into the presence of God, amen, and I've, I've had people over the years tell me, you know, reasons and excuses and, 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 and purposes why they wouldn't go to the house of God, and the reality was, I was just like every one of them, till one day I saw the beautiful gate, till I saw Jesus for what he really is, well, I said I saw him and understood he could save me, he could deliver me, he could break the bondages and the shackles and the curse is off of my life. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, glory to God. And he's anointed, glory to God. He's called the Christ, which means the anointed one. And by his anointing, because of his anointing, yokes are destroyed. How dare you turn around and look at somebody and say, my God, you can get free today. Amen. That mess you've been packing, you've been living under. Woo, hallelujah. Whether it's physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, whether it's something from your childhood. Boy, I, I tell you, I'm just eat up with anointing this morning. I feel like preaching. I've come to tell somebody there's a man named Jesus. You don't have to lay on the wrong side of the gate. You can come on in to the glory and to the presence of God. Oh, give him a hand of praise if you would. Hallelujah. For most of his 40 years, this man had just been relegated to being a beggar. No hope. Going to be in poverty. The lowest class in the nation was a beggar. Do you hear me?
And yet God healed him instantly. Peter said, I won't take the credit. No, it's not by our righteousness. It's not by our holiness. But it's because of a resurrected Jesus. They had saw him crucified and they'd watched him die. They'd heard the claims that he rose from the dead. They doubted it. They disputed it. But now, now they could not disregard it. Amen. This was a miracle with a message. The Levitical law wouldn't allow a cripple inside the gate. But a miracle broke the law's bondage and, and the chains off of this man. And a miracle allowed him to get up, praise God, and go through the beautiful gate. Can I tell you, it was a miracle that changed my life. It was a miracle that got me off of the alcohol. It was a miracle that brought me out of the sin that I was in. You might say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a crucified, buried, resurrected son of God who made himself known to me. And I got born again. That's, that's the greatest miracle that ever occurred in my life. Give God a hand of praise if you would. He was a picture of a lost man. He was a picture of somebody who couldn't have freedom to worship or to work for God. He needed something more than man's religion. Amen. They used to tell me you're going to hell because you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. And some of those same people told me I was going to hell for the things I did. I heard them, I saw them doing some of the same stuff I did. You hear me? The law couldn't do it. Are you hearing me? The law is a schoolmaster. The law condemns us. Are you hearing me? And, and justly so. Uh, people say, well, I don't believe in the Ten Commandments. Dummy, God wrote them with his finger. Why wouldn't you believe in them? Who do you think you are? The problem is, it can't save you. It just, it, it, it didn't save Israel. It kept them from falling, but it was the sacrifice. Are you hearing me? It was the blood on the day of atonement that put away their sins. But now, it's the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, he needed this touch and he represents all of us. Until we meet Christ, we're stuck on the wrong side of the gate. They were confronted by a miracle. Number two, they were condemned by a murder. They were condemned by the death of Jesus. Peter looked at him and said, you desired a murderer. And you wanted Jesus dead. You, Herod wanted to release him, but you said crucify him. I, I, who was it? Crowder made the song, I'm the one that held the nail. And that's me. That's you. We're guilty. We're guilty. You might say, well, I'm preaching. I wasn't that. Yeah, but you're still guilty. Because he died for the sins of all mankind. Amen. Listen, once Peter had their attention through the miracle, he preached Jesus. He preached him sinless. He preached him the Son of God. He preached him the Prince of Heaven. He preached him as the King of Glory. But then he reminded them, you chose a murderer over the holy and just one. And then he reminded them, amen, about their own words. In John chapter 18, Pilate said in verse number 38, what is truth, said to Jesus. And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, watch this, I find no fault. Say that with me. I find no fault. Say it again. I find no fault in him at all. I can't find anything wrong with him. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one, one, 
release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? What's this? And they cried all again saying, not this man. Don't give us Jesus. Give us Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber. And he accused them, amen, then of the murder of Jesus. I want to tell you, every one of us has to understand we're guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. The same blood that we're guilty of cleanses us. Isaiah 53 said he was despised and rejected. Verse number three of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Amen. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Listen to verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. You want know all that says? It says he was beaten so we could be healed and have peace in this world. He was nailed to a cross. Amen. And shed precious blood so we could be be forgiven. That's why John said, behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The lamb was the sacrifice, are you hearing me? And so everyone who does not come under the cleansing power of that blood is guilty of that blood. So they were confronted by a miracle and they were convicted, condemned by a murder. But then, thank God, they were converted by a message. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. How many is glad that you heard a message one day? Once they were confronted by this mighty miracle and condemned by their part in the death of the Son of God, they were ready for the message. Darrell, I remember growing up as a boy. We didn't go to church much. I got to everybody I was an American heathen. And uh, my grandparents went to the little Baptist church down the road a couple of times a year, two or three. And we'd go as boys and play out in the churchyard, full of meanness. But I remember one Sunday, I was just a little fellow. I went, we went early for some reason. And some of the boys that I usually played in the churchyard with said, hey, Owen, go to Sunday school with us. I had never been to Sunday school in my life that I can remember. If I did, it didn't make any difference. I walked in that little classroom, and uh, y'all have heard me tell this before, I guess, but old Jimmy Plummer, Jimmy retired, uh, and, and after retirement, he drove a school bus here in the county. Somebody might know a big old tall, bald-headed fella, big smile. Jimmy Plummer was teaching Sunday school that day, and I walked in that classroom, and there's those little flannel graph characters stuck upon the wall. And I'm looking at all this, and Jimmy goes to the book of Acts, and reads about the conversion of a man named Saul of Tarsus. And when he got done, it was impressed on my mind, and I never forgot it, that that stinking murderer became a preacher. Wow. Look up here. Look up here. That was a beautiful day for me. I didn't get saved until many years later. But I understood some things. I learned something about who Jesus really is. Once you've been confronted, amen, and you've seen the power, and then you've been condemned by the death of Christ, 
Then all of a sudden the message begins to be preached. Amen. And Peter preached about a risen Lord. Peter said that Jesus was directly responsible for the miracle. Peter preached repentance. And finally, Peter preached, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And by the time he got done, come on, Brother Nick, 5,000 got saved. Men, plus the families, plus the servants, maybe 20,000. Does anybody think that's a good reason to say hallelujah? Hallelujah. The power of that gospel message, the power and the strength of this gospel, it's beautiful. Amen. I, I don't need to go to church and just try to sneak in and sneak out and go right back living like I always did. I remember when God started dealing. Could I just preach for a minute about this? I was a sinner, a drinker, a cusser. I was rebellious. I was married to a beautiful woman, had two wonderful kids, had a new brick home, a new car in the driveway. But I was doing every ungodly thing you could imagine. And when God started dealing with me, when I began to realize who Jesus was, compared to who I was I laid awake at night in the bed and couldn't sleep I smoked a pack and a half of Campbell cigarettes a day I'd try to get up and smoke and I'd get choked and gag when I did wake up I felt like a concrete block sitting on my chest and I was under so much stress my world was falling apart and all I could think about was here's this man Jesus and he's perfect and I'm this that was condemnation. That was conviction. And I couldn't sleep at night. And then I heard a message preached. Oddest message the preacher preached one night. And Jesus said, as a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wings, he said to Jerusalem, I would have gathered you, but you wouldn't come. I remember them old hens and them little chickens out there on that farm get close to them and she'd flutter her wings and cluck about three times and all them little chickens would run under her wings. She'd protect them. I heard an old country preacher one time tell it and he said, my mommy had chickens and he said, we had an old black hen and said all her chickens was black. We had an old white hen and said all her chickens was white except one it was black. Said you could walk close to them and said they, them chicks would run to their mommy. And he said, I watched sometime that little black chick that belonged to the white hen would run over with the other little black chickens and said that mommy hen would peck it in the head and run it back over where it belonged. That may sound silly to you, but to a boy who needs somebody to know him, it got a hold of my heart that night. When I heard that message and I realized that miracle and I felt that conviction. I realize that Jesus is who they say is. He is coming back and he say amen. In Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 Jesus said you shall receive power come through the beautiful gate after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria to the uttermost part of the world the Bible said and when he had spoken these things while they were watching he was taken up in a cloud received him out of their sight and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up two men stood by them these were angels in white apparel 
and which said, you men of Galilee, why are you done looking up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Amen. He's coming back. There's power in the message. There's power in the miracles. There's power in the presence of God. Come through the beautiful gate. Come to the door. Step in. Get clean. Glory. You know, I remember the night I got saved. When I got up from that altar, I'll never forget this. I've told you before, it was an elderly lady who's in heaven now, an elderly man who's in heaven now. They prayed on either side of me. They helped me. They led me through to Calvary. When I got up from the altar, the pastor came down, tears on my face. He said, he said, Owen, do you think you're saved? I said, no, sir. I know I'm saved. I've never felt like this before. I, I was, it was so wonderful. I cried for days. I'd read, I'd, I'd read the Bible. I couldn't understand it, but it seemed like I loved it. I wanted it. I'd go to sleep at night with it laying on my chest. Where I was reading the Word of God. I'd pray. Two months later, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I've never looked back. Are you hearing me? And I live in the expectation that my King is coming for me. I live in victory. There's power in the message. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned and these signs will follow them that believe in my name they'll cast out devils they'll speak with new tongues they'll take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they lay hands on the sick and then they will recover and people have tried to build whole denominations on those verses but really what those verses are saying is you come from poverty to power you come from impotence to being somebody that produces something in the kingdom of God when you come to Jesus stand with me would you so many times we hear people say and recently especially I've had people say to me what's our world coming to what's our country coming to what's going to, what's going to happen I'll tell you what our world's coming to it's coming to Jesus can you say amen, amen. every knee will bow every tongue will fess he's coming back in the, in the clouds of glory I don't want to be on the wrong side of the gate when Jesus comes back I hope somebody's listening to me. I want to be like that man, leaping and dancing and still praising God. Hallelujah. My grandkids, sometimes they laugh at me the way I dance, the way I move in the Spirit. And I said, you ain't got no right to laugh at me. You stand there like this. You little old young thing, got all that energy, won't use it for God. (laughs) I talk to them, they're my grandkids. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not serving Him, if you're not worshiping Him, if you're not on the right side of the gate, if you're laying out there, even saved, sir, and laying out there with some broken down religion bound up and no freedom, you need to start stepping in through the gate and start worshiping God. You see, this time it's not Peter and John saying, such as I have, can I be? But it's the church. It's God's people. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Lord Himself saying, come on in through the gate. Come into my presence. I want to read one more scripture. Revelation chapter 22. The Bible said, Blessed are they that do His commandments, 
that they might have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter in through the gates into the city, into heaven after a while. For outside the gate are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers, whosoever loves and makes a lie. And people might say, well, I know those things, but you're in that company. That's all that's out there. All that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But inside the gate, just inside the gate, there's worship and praise, freedom. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify these things to you in the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and the bright second. This is the last invitation recorded in the Word of God. And I'm, I'm giving you an invitation today to come through the gate. You may never hear it again. Don't be on the wrong side of the gate when Jesus comes. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that's a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the waters of life freely. I've been on the wrong side of the gate. Thank God over 40 years ago I stepped through one day. And there's been many times in these 42 plus years that I've had to go back to Jesus and go back through into favor and blessing and help and worship and praise. I refuse to be downhearted, defeated, discouraged. There was an old evangelist came to our church many, many years ago right after we built this building. He's gone to be with Jesus. But he used to sing a song, I will not be defeated. His name was Buddy Baird. I will not be defeated. For years, Buddy traveled with a Southern Gospel group. And he said, we'd go into church and sing and then drink liquor on the bus. He said, every one of us was heathens. And he said, one night I walked into a little old Pentecostal church and said, we were supposed to get up and do our show but a man of God heard from the Lord and said he walked in the sanctuary and said everybody take your seat and he looked at the singing group and said y'all sit right here on the front row said for y'all saying I'm aiming to preach said God's gave me a word but he said I thought oh no he said there we were we couldn't get up and walk out and he said when that man of God got done I was standing at the cross guilty of sin and going to hell but he said God got a hold of me and he, Brother Tommy stepped through the gate And old buddy got saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the rest of his life, he traveled this country with a little travel trailer and his wife and a little old dog and preached the gospel of Jesus. Amen. He stepped in the gate. Don't be on the wrong. You you can be a big stuff in the body, in the church world. Let me put it that way. You can be a big something in the church world and be on the wrong side of the gate. Because it doesn't matter what people pat you on the back and say, it's what that man that hung on the cross is looking at you and saying. Step in through the gate. Come on in through the beautiful gate. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, we're talking about a beautiful place. Tell them, say, a beautiful place. It's called the presence of God. He caught up with something. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me what it's like to be on the wrong side of the gate with whoremongers and dogs and sorcerers and liars and cheaters.
And even though we may be none of those things, we're lost without God till we come through the door. We'd lose our victory. We'd lose our shout. We'd lose our worship just by staying on the wrong side of the gate. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Be free. I want you to look this way. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to ask you, are you saved? Are you living right? Is your heart right with God? Are you happy? If Jesus were to come right now, would you, are you satisfied to be on whichever side of the gate you're on? You might say, well, I'm saved. Yeah, but, but Christians are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged for how we lived as a Christian. And I have people look at me all the time and say, well, I'm saved. Well, good. Good for you. I am too. But what about your worship? What about your service? What about your commitment? What about your faithfulness? We're going to be judged. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I just think that there's a lot of people today, Jason, who are living on the wrong side of the gate. And it's not about pleasing a preacher. It's about pleasing him. Because he wants you to come to something beautiful. How many can say I've had some beautiful experiences in the Lord? Just wave your hand so everybody can see it. I've had some times in the presence of God, Pastor, that have been rich. It's real. You know what I'm talking about. Joy of the Holy Ghost, healings, miracles, God blessing you because you're worshiping Him and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you ain't doing what you're not and what you ain't supposed to be doing. Hey, you like that grammar? We're going to let Him sing this song. And if you want to come and say, Lord, and, and nobody's going to judge you. Maybe you just want to come and step into the step through the gate and get blessed this morning. It's all right. That old boy went in the house jumping. He's already healed. He's in there. He's in there walking around praising God. Everybody's looking at him. That's okay. Maybe you like to step through the gate into the presence because you've got a physical, financial, spiritual, emotional need today. While he's saying to you, come play it.
You know, I'm, I'm thinking about two, two men right now that in the course of my ministry that I dealt with, both of these young men got saved and filled with the Spirit. Both of them had a call of God on their lives. And I watched them start moving forward. I watched God start touching their lives. And just the short version of the story is I watched as both of them moved out of the presence of God out to the wrong side of the gate. And I would talk to them, oh, I'm saved, Pastor, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. But God said they're not all right. They're not where I want them to be. They're not moving forward. And I talked to them and I challenge them, encourage them, both of them called to preach. One of them finally went all the way back to the world, drinking, drugs, marriage broke up, living, bad situation. He told me one time he was sitting in a bar. He said he saw a man, and he said, I was sitting there drinking beer, and I saw this man, he said, I kept thinking, I know this guy. He said, I kept looking at him, and I guess, you know, if you're in a bar and you keep looking at a man long enough, you probably might get punched in the face or something. And so finally, the man looked at him and said, you recognize me, don't you? He said, well, I, th- I think I do, and, but I just can't put a handle on who you are. And so the man said, I'm the preacher that came to that church where you was preached that conference, that youth conference, that revival. He said, you prayed with kids at the altar. He said, now here I am. And he said, he looked at the preacher before he thought, he said, man, what are you doing here? And the preacher of the fall, and the preacher looked back at him and said, what are you doing here? That boy's dead now. The good news is he came back to the Lord before he died, but the sad news is he lived on the wrong side of the gate and lost a ministry. Wonder how many souls won't be saved because he was on the wrong side of the gate. The other one's still living, but he's away from God. Now and then I'll get a text or I'll send him a message or give him a call and say, I love you. You need to come back to God. You see, you can get on the wrong side of the gate from any position but to be on the right side of the gate you see how beautiful it really is and that gate was called beautiful for a reason because inside that gate is glory inside that gate is the presence of God I want you to be a, a person who lives on the right side of the gate who has a testimony who shares the goodness of God with people that are on the wrong side so they can find their way back. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I thank you for being here today. We praise the Lord for you and for your love. Brother Jim Hanson, if you would, I'd like for you to come up and dismiss us in prayer. And uh, I appreciate Brother Jim. Jim's got a great testimony. His life is a testimony of the grace of God. Many of you know about the four stage cancer and the widow maker heart attack that he survived but even before that years ago 
God had his hand on this man and he got away and found his way back, came back through the gate. And I praise the Lord for you, Brother Jim. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you here this morning for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood that you shed for each and every one of us that we might have life. We thank you, Lord, for your temple and that gate that you set before us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the glory of your name, for the power of your spirit, for the victory of your word. We thank you here today, God, for the marvelous things, the marvelous works you've worked in our hearts and our lives. Bless us this morning as we go about our everyday things that we would do today. God, but make our minds to be continually this day upon you. May we give thanksgiving from our heart to all the glory you have shown unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can I see the singers up here just real quick for just a couple minutes? you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.